Kurt Balper, the T1 of Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making one of his periodic and notable appearances. Uh, it is periodic and simultaneously notable appearances on Fangraphs Audio. He's a contributor to Knockgraphs and also CBSSports.com's Ion Baseball, Stane Perry. Allow me to note immediately that anyone who's come to this edition of Fangraphs Audio looking for the same sort of crack analysis that is available in the pages, the electronic pages of Fangraphs.com, uh, please do not continue. Do not continue. You'll be much more satisfied listening to an edition uh, of Fangraphs Audio, which features Dave Cameron. Dave Cameron, of course, analyzes all baseball on a weekly basis for this podcast, or really any other edition of Fangraphs Audio would suit you more appropriately. Uh, and no, in fact, what is to follow is another installment in an ongoing study, an ongoing record of a broken man. In what follows, Dan Perry talks at some length about the move he and his family have recently completed, or have completed, as you'll find out. And listeners are treated to wisdom on that particular topic, courtesy of Perry. Uh, my advice to those who have not yet bought property yet is when you're a first-time buyer, you don't have anything to sell, obviously. So buy somewhere and leave that place only on a gurney. This Fangraphs Audio does feature Dane Perry, and it begins right now. You know, I'm I'm trying to accommodate you. That's what I'm doing. It's very sweet of you. What? Very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, now listen. I, uh, I hear my voice a little bit in the background. Oh, maybe I don't now. Yeah. All right. Not interested in your audio problems. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go business. What's what's let's go. What's on the agenda? Let's go. <clears throat> I do actually have I do have an agenda, Dane. And uh, I want to talk about. I believe you. Agenda. I believe you have a new home address. Is that right? Uh, we have no home address. Okay. Well, I don't care about that right now. What I do care about is. Oh, I, what I want to say is I want to talk about uh, your big move, Dane. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Momentarily, but I first want to ask you a question that occurred to me today. I said, "Who's a person I'd like to with whom I'd like to speak about this matter?" And it's you, Dane. And my question is. Have you ever been to an office party? And not just an, an office party, but a sort of sexy, boozy office party where a woman has made a photocopy uh, by sitting on the photocopier machine. Okay. Have you ever been to one of those? No. Okay. Did, like, did you ever see the movie Scrooged with Bill Murray? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm familiar with the joke. Yeah. Dick. Yeah. The what? Sorry? Oh. Yeah, you know, I know it's a thing that happens in Hollywood movies. Yes. Yeah, but I always wanted to, when I saw that. I said I want to someday go to a sexy, boozy office party like this one. Well, that would require an office, right? Yeah, it would. Yep. Uh, That's step number one. Would you uh, Would you have a, a perhaps a boozy makeout session with a girl from the typing pool? <laughs> yeah, I would. And then ignore her on the next business day. Well, I'm. Uh, I have a higher rank in, within the corporate on the corporate you know ladder. Some things are not just they're just not done. Yeah. Right. Right. We right. could do this is okay once a year. Right. You know what I mean? You have a wife and children in Levittown. Yep. Give, give my dad. Life. My dad had a boss, or he was like the. My dad worked for Prudential for some time, 
and my dad had a boss. That's an honorable bedrock company. It is. Well, it's it's actually built on the uh, the foundations of the that one rock, the I Rock of Gibraltar. The, the company logo is some sort of craggy edifice. Yeah, it's the Rock of Gibraltar, as strong as the Rock of Gibraltar. Yes. That's the implication. Rock of honor. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad worked there um, as his father before him had. Okay. And uh, which is true, but. My dad had a boss who took on like mythic proportions for me as like a four and five year old because my dad would always talk about Dick Trembley. <laughs> I don't know anything else about him. I just remember everyone was always talking about Dick Trembley. Have you have you sought him out on LinkedIn? No, I just I just, it just I'm sure Dick Trembley's so dead now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he was he was in. The majority of my, um, the majority of conversations I certainly remember my dad having when I was somewhere between like four and six. Okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah, Dick Trembley. And did he, uh, he did, did carry around the, a Spartan attache? I don't, I don't know that. I do know that one time playing mixed doubles tennis, okay. um, <laughs> my dad hit, my dad was serving and he hit, he was playing with Dick Trembley's wife, I believe. Oh. And he hit Dick Trembley's wife square in the back of the head with a serve. Okay. Yeah. Why was she facing the other way? She was on his team. She was doubles partner. Okay, I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. All right. Do, wait, do, do I have to pause first to explain to you the rules of tennis? Well, I was imagining a, a serve across the net to the yeah. other side. No. So there was that. And also, I believe I my dad... setup for that anecdote. What's that? I blame your setup. Okay. Well, that's fine. I, my dad, I also believe, actually hit Dick Trembley... Uh, and a, they're all Dick Trembley. So any executive did he, did Prudential. Hit him in the Dick Trembleys? <laughs> no, but he did hit him uh, with a with a golf drive. <laughs> <laughs> I think he got him. Your dad is your dad is pretty hazardous when it comes to the uh, leisure sport of crackers. Yeah, he's he's also I mean he's hazardous to himself. Yeah, he, he hurts himself a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Never have I heard my dad cuss more. Then when I was a young person, before my parents got divorced, um, I believe he was just outside trying to dig a hole. And uh, he was spouting all manner of filth. And I had said, Mom, what's wrong with Dad? He's trying to dig a hole. Uh. There you go. Those are some stories from my – but you never – now, have you ever been to an office party of any of any sort? Yeah, I've been to uh, – yeah, I, I guess I would call it an office party. It was sort of a uh, – uh, my wife brought me to a couple, and I would, I would as, as opposed to the strict confines of an office party, I would call it a a party of uh, industry professionals. Okay. No, was it just people so, from your wife's? Not talking. <laughs> not necessarily tethered to a single office. Sort of a party, cum networking opportunity. Yeah. Were they all in the same? Company or the same industry, which is what you mentioned. What? I just explained that. The same industry? Yes. I blame your setup for my misunderstanding. <laughs> is that fair? I'll wear that, yeah. yeah. All right. Now, would you ever be tempted, or have you ever been tempted, to make a photocopy of something other than just documents? Um, no, it seems dumb. Okay. Also seems... Vaguely carcinogenic, maybe? 
Well, insofar as there's, there's like a laser, right? Is there like a laser? Yeah, you know, like uh, all those uh, all those chemicals you put in copy machines and that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's I, – I, I can't tell you the last time I used a copier. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't – is that even a thing anymore? I believe so, yes. I believe that – for example, yeah. if you are – if you are – a teacher of some sort. Sometimes you'll have a. You will. What you might do is print out one sheet at your home office, and then uh, you will make copies of that one sheet at oh. at the school. Do you remember? Are you old enough to remember when, like, uh, say, in elementary school, the copies would be like they would have purple print. Yes. They'd be, they'd be moist and kind of smell like a coroner. Yeah, they 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 have uh, like definitely some manner of yeah. it was crude as if crude oil alone had been used <laughs> right to reproduce yeah. the original document. Yeah, well, now was that a mimeograph or is that just an early product of the like an early copy machine? I think they were just all called Xerox back then. Yeah, because I, I remember my mom telling me when she had a job in the late seventies, they would actually just have to make mimeographs, and yeah, you got out that yeah that sheet. It was like a three ply piece of paper, and the middle layer was like a dark, was like an ink sheet essentially, and you made an impression. I bet I'm going to guess that that stew of chemicals has mm-hmm. quite a body count. Mm. I bet a is. lot of people of my generation have succumbed to their exposure to uh, to mimeograph and, and Xerox stuff. Did, now, did you smell? Did you ever take yes. quaff deeply? Yes, I did. <laughs> I would even like wave my hand, you know, to get the aroma circulating beneath my nostrils. Oh, right. Yeah. Like one might uh, while preparing some manner of fine cuisine. Yes. Yes. If one has made a roux. <laughs> Correct. <Yeah. laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. get it in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Anyway. I don't know, just uh, I was just thinking about that, just a boozy, sexy. I'm actually, I'm right now. I'm at my wife's, uh, my in-laws' house, my wife's parents' house, and they actually have a. Is this in the great state of Michigan? It is, yeah. Okay. They have a sort of, they have a downstairs bar area. All right. That has l- long been neglected and is used now for storage. But you sense this is the sort of place, and I've been to other houses that have similar spaces. There's like a great deal of optimism surrounding these sort of spaces. Okay. Like you know, uh, oh, we'll have we'll have friends over from the neighborhood. There are some bar chairs. I can imagine any sort of promotional promotional materials concerning a space like this, where everyone's sort of gathered around, and of course, there's a bowl in the middle with everyone's keys in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. yeah non-zero chance that something amazing could happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I my my other my. My step grandparents who lived in, they had a place in Long Island before they sold it, and they had a, a downstairs bar area that similarly had been neglected. Maybe liquor was still stored there, but okay. there was not even a there's not even a suggestion that anyone would dare uh, congregate there for the purposes of leisure. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I can buy that. You're familiar with spaces like that? Yes, I am. Now let's talk about you. You have a new space, Dane. You well, you were complaining about moving. I think publicly even. Yes, I, 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 I have aired those complaints in the public forum. And now, but now, so wait, does this mean that you sold your house? The house is sold. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Is it a difficult market right now? Uh, I would not describe it as that. Okay. 
I, I think we were possibly dealing with uh, difficult buyers, okay. but I imagine they would characterize us as difficult too. So I guess it's all even. Okay. Now, have you now? Do you have a place in which into which you can move, or are you there right now? We are set to close on our new property <laughs> on August fifteenth. August fifteenth. Okay. So that yeah, gives we, you at least that's at least two weeks away. Yes, correct. So where are all of your earthly possessions at the moment? The majority, okay, the percentage are in storage, okay, via the fine people of USA Moving Storage in Skokie, Illinois. Okay, now did you have to? Now did you hire movers? Yes. Smart. Yes. That is this, a. Uh, this is not. Uh, this is not like a bro apartment that I could move myself with a buddy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a house with a lot of pointless possessions. Which you've accrued, and I'm sure you see certain things, and you wonder why that's anywhere near your body at this point. Right. Yeah. So in order to move properly, I had to, I had to hire the working defeated to, <laughs> to help me. Uh, now, were they Russian? Uh, they were not. Okay. They were not. I, 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 if I'm not mistaken, because I've had some friends who've lived in uh, New York City, yeah. and to the best of my knowledge, every mover. In the city of New York is Russian. Okay. They have cornered the market. Chicago to end up with a Pole or a Bulgarian. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you end up with either of those? I did not. I had some uh, some very professional and uh, hardworking Hispanic gentlemen. Okay. Just one guy? No, I was plural. The plural. Oh, gentlemen. Okay, I see. Yeah. Yeah. And they did a wonderful job. And... Uh, I, I tipped them handsomely. Okay, yeah, great. Now, by the standards of sports riders. No, when, when, where? So, where are you, like, literally, right now? I, uh, we are staying with some lovely friends of ours who opened their home to us. Okay, so you really are making some concessions to myself and to Fangraphs Audio. There is no question about this. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's been it's been a while since we spoke. It has. Yeah. So the adult life is complicated. And, yeah. Uh, uh, to, to the detriment of, of pleasures like this. Now, when you, so, all right, so we, I knew that, it, so at some point, you said, we would like to move to a different part of town. It's a part of town where your son's school is located. Correct. And, and I was also weary of the ongoing Spanish gangster disciples versus <laughs> Simon City Royals, uh, hostilities. Roaming outside, near your house. I was tired of yelling at them. Yeah. Now, now, what, how do, what is the order of things? You say we want to move to this place, but you own a house. So on the one hand, you have to sell a property. Right. On the other hand, you have to purchase a second property. And so what is the order of things? Well, you need. it is possible to sell and purchase and arrange that to those things to happen on the same day. Okay. It's a challenge. That is a challenge. We were not able to do that this time. Uh, however they line up, the sale and purchase happening in proximity to each other is an unfathomable headache. Okay. Yeah. So uh, my advice to those who have not yet bought property yet is when you're a first-time buyer, you don't have anything to sell, obviously. So buy somewhere and leave that place only on a gurney. Do not... Into the real estate market again. Buy something <laughs> die. Yes. It is an unbelievable headache, larded with tedium. Which is, hey, 
Uh, yet another argument for for an early death. Yes, exactly. Because the chances that you'll, that you'll have to move uh, are lower in that case. I am suggesting you arrange to close on a property, and the day before closing, take your own life. <laughs> um, you heard it here, folks. Yes. <laughs> I think Dr. Phil says something very similar. So you're in good company? Well, you can find you can find realtors now who are also licensed in assisted suicide. <laughs> it's true. It's it's, it's a double thing. It's kind of like uh, in the 80s and 90s, the video stores uh, that also had tanning booths in the back. Right. Because it's, you know, especially in a difficult real estate market, you're looking for income elsewhere. Yeah, and well, as you see, a lot, a lot of REMAX realtors are, are, are Kevorkian licensed. Mm-hmm. They can That's true. assist you in death, the yeah. sweet release of death before you have to. And my understanding is that Obama trains them personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the Obamacare death panels. <laughs> That's right. Uh, give them strict <laughs> protocols on how to kill their clients. So, so you... Grandmothers. So you so what you do so you so you so now you've done the, both those things though and you just have you there's a two week overlap. There are still hurdles on the purchase. Those the, hurdles are largely cleared. We have the benefit of having desperate sellers, <laughs> uh, so it's not as though they can walk away. Yeah. Uh, so I, I anticipate things will happen properly, and I'm looking forward to never cutting grass again. Now, do you because you're moving to a condominium? A condominium, yes. In the sky? Is it in the sky at all? No, no. Okay. It is not in the sky. Those things are just pointless. Do you? All right, here's a question. Do you sense that the sellers are – do you think that their desperation is tied at all to the quality of the property which they are selling you? No, no. Oh. We, are, we are moving into a lovely, magnificently appointed condominium mm-hmm. uh, with uh, – the latest in urban creature comforts. Okay. And uh, they are desperate because they are set to close on their new house, and I believe Indianapolis, um, in, in tantalizing proximity to our closing. So there is a there is a chain of events that is constantly going on in which yes. people are attempting simultaneously to sell one house and then buy a new one. Yes. And this is going on all the time. This is going on all the time, yes. And, and it you, requires... When you engage with another party to purchase your property, uh, you are sort of at their mercy uh, for them to get their shit in order. Is it true that you are sleeping with every person they ever slept with? Yeah, <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> yes. Eskimo brothers. Yeah. <laughs> well, it doesn't, it, sound, it doesn't sound great, but now are you... Um... Now, what are you? Will you divulge what neighborhood generally into which you're moving? We're moving into the North Center slash Lincoln Square nexus. Okay. Is, so, is this more of a? a dense... it is, I would characterize this neighborhood as being turgid with crackers. <laughs> is it more? Uh, is it more? Com- uh, densely commercial than the place in which you were previously living. Yeah, I would say so. It's more of a. Uh, yeah, it's more of a. Uh, yeah, there are there are more uh, there are more merchants with which to do business. Is there a um, find a lot of lovely coffees? Is there a greater access to public transit? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, we you know we were we were reasonably near public transit where we were before, uh, but yeah, I, I would characterize this as being 
having more options. Well, you had one bus line before. Well, we had one right outside the house. There was another one, you know, not too far away. Oh, okay. We were, we were uh, nicely positioned between the blue and brown lines. Yeah. Uh, and I am going to assert at this point that you know not whereof you speak. Okay. Not the first time you've said that. Right. Correct. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm feeling good about this. Do you have a sense that the next time we speak, uh, for the benefit of Fangraphs Audio, you will be installed in your new property? I, I think by the next time we speak, yeah. I will be living gloriously among the crackers. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's great news, Dane. Yeah. And you will die in this apartment. You know, it's funny. There is assisted living across the street. Oh, that's very convenient. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, in you know, in 30, 40 years, <clears throat> they will haul me over there and I will die. Yeah. <laughs> and it, by they, I assume you mean your son. <laughs> no, I mean the the... The working desperate my son hires to me. <laughs> it might, maybe it will be the same Latino gentleman that originally <laughs> at your house. I'm hoping for a Bulgarian. Yeah. They will have witnessed the, the, the sort of full arc of the honky at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I remember this. Fact. Yeah. The downsizing honky. Yeah. <laughs> now the, now the dying honky. Yeah. The dying honky. Okay. Now listen, one of the reasons we did not speak recently, Dane, Yes. Uh, it was because you were you were doing you were providing some sort of coverage it seemed for the All Star Game in Minneapolis. I would even call it crack internet coverage. Okay, what what sequence of events? Okay, and what um, I would say flawed decision tree okay. led to the editors of uh, CBSSports.com's Eye on Baseball and perhaps CBS.com's like baseball coverage in general asking you to provide that sort of coverage. Well, rather than a flawed decision tree, I would characterize it as a, uh, a buffoon's flowchart. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I will accept it. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is a uh, – so, Stoli, I don't need to tell you that this is one of baseball's signature events. <laughs> and uh, as such, yeah. uh, the uh, the outstanding writers at Ion Baseball, the home for all baseball fans, cbsports.com slash Baseball. Uh, are deployed uh, at said event to uh, provide uh, uh, crack coverage. Yeah. Demand. Yeah. Dateline Minneapolis. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, what did you find there? Uh, one second. I'm going to read a text message. Let's see here. Uh, okay. Did it port one? Hello? Yes. Yeah. I was just reading a text message. You need oh. to shut yeah, okay. I'm going to pour myself another cup of coffee. Sounds fair. So I forgot to put the top on this coffee, so it's mm-hmm. probably lost some, lost some heat. It's all right. All right, uh, what were you saying, Stoy? Uh, what did you, what did you see and hear during the All-Star break? Of note, of any interest? <clears throat> well, if you're really interested, you can go to cbssports.com slash baseball. Okay. All-Star game tag and see, uh, see all the stories that were filed. I guess the thing is, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not that interested. Okay. I would just like to have you digest it for me. Let's see. Uh, what I, I we uh, still I don't remember. Mm. I, Did you I, enjoy I, it? Did you see I'm David talking. Temple? Shut up! I'm talking. Okay. Um, wrote something in Jonathan Lacroix and his opinions on pitch framing. Uh, yeah, like that hasn't been covered. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, I write for CBS. This probably blew their minds. <laughs> our readers, that is, not our not our lovely editors. Um, and uh, yeah, stuff like that. Paul Goldschmidt is progress against writing and pitching. Was he making progress in that? Did you see David Temple? Yes, I uh, had beverages with him one night. Oh yeah, he's a nice guy. He's uh, he's better looking than I thought he would be. Oh, you'd never met him before. No, I'm not saying he's handsome, but I, I, I expected less. Yeah, you were really, yeah. Yeah. You were not optimistic about that. Yeah, no, he, he was he was an affable gentleman. It was my pleasure to meet him. Yeah. We uh, had drinks. I was hoping to see if, uh, just quickly, um, if I could get maybe some senses, some sense of um, some recent comments on an article by you over at... Uh, <laughs> Which article would this be? Uh, I, I, no, no. I uh, let's see. Just uh, yeah, just at eye on baseball is what people are saying about you. Okay, yeah, um, I, I, I very much enjoy with my commenters. We have a nice back and forth, mutual respect, <laughs> and uh, we have a high opinion of each other. The uh, let's see. Yeah, it doesn't seem as though they uh, they're saying much bad about you today. You were doing – there was more of sort of new stuff where it uh, – sort of around that time of – Well, there was one article in which um, a gentleman was criticizing uh, my use of uh, what one might call advanced statistics. Oh, he didn't care for it, huh? Uh, and he said that this is a sort of reason that baseball is now the third most popular sport. Oh, yeah. Oh, you wrote a – I believe you wrote it, a spirited take, a hot take on that, an internet take. I believe I did write an internet take on that. I'm yeah. not through with my little story here, though. Yeah. Um, and as a preemptive strike, he said, before you start condescending to me, I went to a top 20 law school. Oh, he did? Yeah. yeah. Well. And his uh, his username, which is something like Gotar Heels, mm-hmm. suggests to me that he went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, which is quite possibly a top 20 law school. Yeah, I'd give it that. Yeah. Do you know that in the time we've been talking, you may not be interested in this, but John Lackey has been traded. Is that correct? Yeah. To whom? To the Cardinals. To your Cardinals. Hello? Okay. Do you believe me? I believe you that he's been traded. Yeah. Has he really been traded to the Cardinals? Yes. Cardinals acquired John Lackey. I find that very disappointing. Why is that? I don't like his face. Oh. Well, he's going to be on your team. I don't like his face atop the birds in the bat. Oh, well, he's going to be there. That's disappointing, Sestouli. And I'm going to have to get on. I'm going to log on. Okay. Sounds you good. Me, you can hear me pecking keys. Yeah. I'm going to check my email. And okay. I see yeah. in CBS email that John Heyman has indeed confirmed lackey to cards. Yeah. All right. I don't like this. You don't like it, huh? Because those are your St. Louis Cardinals. You feel a little bit, you feel protective? I, I, I have a sense of propriety. Yeah. yeah. And you feel maybe, uh, that's, this is, uh. I mean, he's, he's, he's had, you know, he's had a nice career. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. Probably still capable of, uh. Helping your team out. Yeah, yeah, you know. Above average starting pitcher, even at, uh, age 35 or whatever he is. Yeah. Yeah, I believe he's, I believe he's signed for like zero dollars next year. See, blah, 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 blah. He's going to play for $500,000 next year. 
There's got to be some way out of that. There's got to be a clause like if he's traded, he gets out of that or something. No, I don't think there is. Uh, the the reason it existed uh, was because it existed. All right, never mind. You know, you know, you know, you don't want to listen. I don't. Anyway. I don't. I'm, I'm I'm already over the subject of John Lackey as a Cardinal. It's absurd. Yeah, the Red Sox are going to get a major league ready outfielder and pitcher back. Who do you think it's going to be? Any guesses? Um. Major League Ready Elf, I don't know, Randall Greichuk? <laughs> say his name right for once. I don't know how to say his name. Randa, no, you say just the, you, the same pronunciation, just grittier. Greichuk! <laughs> yeah, that's it. What about, um, oh, I got an idea. Who's the guy who was uh, playing third base for them? I like him a lot. He was, he was a third base prospect and they moved him to right field. High minors, triple A for the Cardinals. I don't know. Yeah, you do. Oh, come on. How am I going to find him? Third baseman? I don't know. He was a third baseman, went to Stanford. Now he's playing right field. Randall Gritchick? No, it's, I don't think it's Randall Gritchick. I'll tell you his name in like in 10 seconds here. Yeah, I don't, I don't care for the minors. Yeah, no, no you don't. No. Steven Piscotty. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. It might be Steven Piscotty. That sounds reasonable, yeah. I don't think it would be Oscar Tavares. Do you think it'd be Oscar Tavares? I damn well better not be. Not for John Lackey. No. Yeah. I bet it would be, I bet it's going to be Stephen Piscotti. That, that sounds like a reasonable guess. Yeah. yeah. And then they have like a million pitchers. Could be Tim Cooney. Could be. Could be Tim Spoonie Barger. No, it probably won't be. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Dane, I've been reading a, a little bit recently here. Um, are you familiar with? E.M. Chorin, he's a was a Romanian, or Emil Chorin. You familiar with him? I don't think so. He wrote a he wrote a lot in the way of aphorisms. Okay. Uh, and he was um, he was characterized, I think, soundly uh, when he was uh, when he released this book that I've been reading. He was characterized uh, both as a uh, both as a contemplative nihilist and also <laughs> and also a euphoric pessimist. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm a fan. And uh, I think you'd be a fan. His uh, his book that I have right here, the French is uh, the the translation of the French, like the literal translation, is the inconvenience of being born. The inconvenience of being born. Yeah, the inconvenience of having been born. It's also tra- translated as the trouble with being born. <laughs> uh, and so these are all aphorisms, you know, all less than I mean, less than a paragraph. And I, I just wanted to read some for you, and I wanted to you to provide. Um, you know, something in the way of reader response, because I value your opinion on this sort of thing. Right. You know, you know how I don't like these sort of exercises. But yeah, no, no, that's fine. Just tell me. Well, no, because I was thinking this would be more like the thing we did with, uh, what was it? Uh, remember I read you uh, Marshall had provided the 17 necessary yeah. conditions? This is just like that. I'm not asking for anything anything big. Okay, right. I'll, I'll give you some, uh, some basic ideas of his. Uh, here, this one was like a. I need to eat something. Go ahead. This is like boilerplate Emil Chorin, this this first quote. All right. Let me, uh, let me find it here. Uh, I'm going to call it boilerplate. Oh, here we go. No, that's, that's, that's not a good one. That's me tapping my finger. Yeah, I know. You're waiting. You're waiting. You're waiting. Okay. Um, how about this? This is a uh, Emil Chorin submits. It's not worth the bother of killing yourself. Since you always kill yourself too late. (laughs) 
That's kind of brilliant. Yeah. It's not worth the bother killing us since you, since you always do it too late. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you could. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of brilliant. Yeah. Why even bother? I, mean, I guess you could kill yourself in anticipation of misery. Yeah, right, but the, but the problem is that you're in too good of a mood to want to do it. I guess you really have to. You really have to to understand that it's going to happen. I guess you can really home in on and, and focus, you know, with laser like attention to the, 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 you know, the miserable possibilities and kill yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to really yeah, have a. That's kind of brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, you have to take the long view. You have to take the long view on that. All right. Oh, here's a good one. This is just a. It's like a, a question. Like a call and response. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question is, what do you do from morning to night? That's the question. Answer, I endure myself. <laughs> <laughs> I like this guy. Yeah, he's good. This yeah. is. I'll read you the darkest one that I've read so far. Okay. Because he, he has a lot of questions about freedom and, and you know, and being uh, not being free and this sort of thing. Like Lee Greenwood? Yeah, so he says... He, yeah, he, there's a lot in common here yeah. with Lee Greenwood. This is and, – and he enters the grotesque. He says he, – he he provides utterances that make you question whether – you say, could, can, is he allowed to say that? That's what he – he does a lot of that. So he's, he has one comment. It's only two sentences long or it's like a sentence and a sentence fragment. Okay. He says, I long to be free, desperately free, free as the stillborn are free. <laughs> that's dark it is dark it's very dark wow yeah wow do you think you'd be friends with this guy or would you have yeah, like a distant I respect he, I don't think he would be friends with me no right yeah <clears throat> here's another one uh, he says unlike Job you know from the Bible Job yes unlike Job I have not cursed the day I was born all the other days, on the contrary, <laughs> I have covered with my anathemas. <laughs> it's a good churn, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am. I am uh, pleased to meet you. That's how I am with this guy. Emil Shoren. Emil Shoren. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Uh, he. You know. He's attuned to the approaching hoofbeats of misery. I yeah. Like yeah. Here's another one. Here's another one you might enjoy. Uh, I have all the defects of other people. So he's he he sees you know that he has hundred he's almost entirely uh, all the same problems. He says I have all the defects of other people, and yet everything they do seems to me inconceivable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know this guy. This guy should be a guest on the O'Reilly Factor. <laughs> he wouldn't answer the questions, though. He yeah, I know, yeah. yeah. Um, this is something I, I think you probably feel deeply. Um, only what you hide is profound. Only that, that which you hide is profound and is true. Whence the power of base feelings? And we know you have a lot of those. You have a lot in the way of base feelings. <laughs> So the base feelings are sourced from that which is hidden. Yeah, and that's the only thing that's really profound and true. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll buy that. Uh, read another one right here. I'll pause in, in a second. It says, uh, I get along quite well with someone 
I get along quite well with someone only when he is at his lowest point <laughs> and has neither the desire nor the strength to restore his habitual illusions. <laughs> I read that. I said that's probably why I get along with Dane so well. These, uh, these, uh, these have the uh, I, I what what language was this originally written in? Uh, so this book I think was written in French. He is he was Romanian though. I was going to say these have the these have the the beautiful poetry of, of translation in them. Yeah, I think they do. Yeah, they, so I think oh. that I think that he was he was Romanian, but he moved to France on account of there was some sort of you know killing a lot of killing maybe going on in Romania. European stuff. Yeah. yeah right. And uh, so that I think this – I think his his later books, including this one, are written in French. Okay. Uh, but yes, they do have that sort of glorious – When did he When did he die? Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to say ladies, the 80s. Okay. Uh, all right. The 80s. Ladies of the 80s. Hmm. Oh, I have an update. Okay. I have an update. This is uh, – A hot deadline move? Yeah. Ju- uh, ju- uh, John Heyman citing – Peter Gammons, okay. uh, we were not correct in, the, or I was not correct in my assumption that Steve Piscotti, okay, and uh, Tim Cooney were the players. Okay, it, uh, John Heyman was absolutely right when he said that they would be major league ready outfielder and pitcher. Okay, uh, and so far as Alan Craig, okay, and Joe Kelly, Joe Kelly have gone to the Red Sox. Oh, I'm gonna miss Joey. Yeah, not Alan Craig though. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad Alan Kerr got that long-term contract. I enjoy seeing guys get set for life. But, uh, I, I, yeah, I think it was time for a change. He's had a tough year. He's, he's been hard to watch this year. And, you know, he's actually, in terms of, like, his, uh, approach, uh, well, I'm assuming he's sitting for less power. Yeah, yeah. mostly he's been less. Yeah, a power decline since, like, 2011. Yeah. But he also, he also depended a lot. On uh, his batted ball profile, it has depended a lot on it. He, uh, if he pulls the ball, it's going to be on the ground. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's not great. Well, so I guess they get they get a pretty cheap year of. Uh, I wish the, them well. I wish them well. John Lackey and for that. You know what? This pleases me because it probably means more consistent playing time for Mr. Tavares. Oh yes. And. Uh, now all we need is for this John Jay obsession to subside a bit and play Peter Borges. Oh yeah, how how are how are they using uh, Borges and Jay at this point? Is it like as a Jay is kind of the primary guy, and I just I find his defense in center field to be aesthetically disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks like he's chasing fireflies. He's got a little bit of a funny body too. He's got a he's got an impressive lower half. <laughs> it's not one that you typically see on a on a center fielder. Then again, uh, the Cardinals also employed Johnny Peralta to deploy him at shortstop. Yes, and uh, um, he has a, he has a funny body for a shortstop, but apparently that's working out. He is uh, John Jay's lower half is the most impressive I've seen since Brett Wallace. Oh, who is it? Yes, yeah, a lot going on downstairs. He could, he could knock down a, a detached garage yeah. with lower half. Yeah. He had enough. He had enough junk for several trunks. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, like if you could, if you think of like a, uh, like a late 19th century aristocratic woman, uh, right. going on, you know, like a transcontinental excursion. 
Yes. Like that many chunks, you know, with uh, what was it? What's the term you've been using? The working, the working beleaguered. <laughs> the working defeated. I yeah, the working defeated cowed. Beleaguered is yeah. Beneath her trunks. There's also appears there's some some reports here, Dane, that a the Red Sox are sending a minor leaguer to the Cardinals. Okay. All right. You think it's going to be Stephen Piscotty? <laughs> what about Tim Cooney? I think so. I think uh, I'm going to call this hashtag game changer and say <laughs> the Red Sox are sending the Cardinals a prospect that already belongs to the Cardinals. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Game changer. They're sending the Red Sox a prospect. Who's what? What are they doing? Are you asking me? I don't know. Will you say it again? What? Say. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What's that? Shut up. Oh, here's a. I also found in this. This is. I'm not going to read this this entire entry, but I will read you a phrase that I think you might be able to do something with in your life. This is this is from one of the Emil Chorn um, aphorisms. It's just a, it's just a phrase though, or a little. Uh, it's the the phrase is this: an orgy of remorse and disgust. <laughs> that's the sort of that's the sort of orgy. Do you uh, feel like, I like the uh, the uh, uh, the parallels. There, I, I like putting remorse and disgust on the same level there, because they're very different. They're both negative, obviously, but they're very different. Yeah. And so, to be mournful of something and also revulsed at the same time—that's that's that's, a, that's an intersection of misery that I can appreciate. Yeah. Oh. I thought you would like these. This guy's okay. Oh, I think you might like this one too. So he starts off with two words: the words extraordinary, <sighs> the word extraordinary, and the word null. Extraordinary. And null, right? Null, N-U-L-L? Yeah, like nothing. Okay. So he says extraordinary (coughs) and null. Okay. These two adjectives apply to the sexual act (laughs) and consequently to everything resulting from it. To life, first of all. (laughs) He's not afraid. (laughs) Mm. Oh, man. And then uh, here's another good one, too. He, what, how did he uh, – was he just some sort of university philosopher? How did, he, how did he pay his bills? He was – so he went to a school in Romania, and I believe he was classmates there with some other uh, big guns, big literary guns, including – oh, yeah, he died in 95 is the, is the thing I can tell you. He was buddies with um, – yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, Eugene Ionesco, the playwright. This is at the University of Bucharest. He was there with Eugene Ionesco and then the, uh, I think, like sort of philosopher, uh, social commentator, uh, Mircea Eliade. Or Mircea, Mircea Eliade. I don't know how you say his name. Anyway, what are you typing in now, Dane? You're spotting into one of my wife's emails. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Anyways, uh, yeah, so there you go. So he was, he had some buds there, and I think that, um, he was mostly just a writer, though. He, he did not care for, uh, for develop, like, more, what you would consider, like, philosophical treaties or anything like that, or treatises. That's, that speaks well of it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh. He would, uh, he would have a good Tumblr. He would be very good. I think most of these are under 140 characters as well. 
Yeah. Here's I would a good. His account. What's that? I would follow his account. Here's another good one for you, Dane. He says, uh, "I react like everyone else, even those." Uh, sorry, I react like everyone else, even like those I most despise. I react like everyone else, even like those I most despise. But I make up for it by deploring every action I commit, good or bad. <laughs> he makes up for it. <laughs> he knows enough to hate himself for the things he's done. Just have a clean balance sheet. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> While he's participating in that orgy of remorse and disgust. <laughs> Yeah, he's a fabulous guy. Yeah, so I, w- I would suggest to anyone, Ian Chorin. Uh, I have a mine is translated by Richard Howard, um, and it's the trouble with being born. You derive a lot of pleasure from this text. I just what I'll do is Dane with my morning coffee. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll uh, read through until I've got there's like three or four that I feel particularly satisfying. Yeah. And I kind of take those with me for the day, you know. I had a little existential moment last night. Oh, you did. And I'm, no, I'm in no way suggesting this is any sort of novel thought, or that I'm the first one that you know this occurs to. This has been explored throughout the ages, I'm sure, by men better than I and women better than I as well. Yeah. Um, last night was uh, the last game of my son's uh, little league season. Okay. And uh, I am a volunteer coach, and the uh, the wonderful woman at the park district was thanking me profusely afterward for volunteering. Yeah. And then I, within my own head, I was started thinking about that and the gratitude I was shown. And I said, you know what? Would I be doing this if it didn't make me feel good and if I didn't appreciate, and you know, if I didn't derive some sort of pleasure from being thanked? Right. Like if there were no gratitude attached to this and there were no... You know, and I was not able to reap any good feelings from this. Would I be doing it? Probably not. Yeah. It's not selfless at all. It's not a, it was not a, uh, uh, it was not done out of a generosity of spirit. It was done because it made me feel good. Yeah. There is no such thing as an unselfish act. Yeah. And again, this is not news. It's not news, but it's, it was a, it was a situation. Where you could really reflect on it up close. It came acute to me last night. Yeah. As I was accepting her gratitude, and I realized, ha-ha, I have been paid. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, it, first of all, you wouldn't be doing it at all, I assume, if your son weren't, were not involved. Yeah, that'd be somewhat creepy, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, but it's, so therefore, it's like, you're, I mean, at the very least, you're there yeah. to participate, exactly. like, in your son. Yeah. And that way you can give him, uh, you know, unconsciously, you can give him instruction which will help him to ad- crush crush his 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 teammates. Yes. And his, his uh, opponents. Yes. Yeah. Bludgeon them. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, I uh, – and I was left uh, – after being thanked yeah. genuinely yeah. for volunteer work. Yeah. I was left in a haze of self-disgust. Oh yeah, right. That's the thing is, is you can also uh, and I forget precisely where it is, but uh, one of the things that uh, LA, or that um, uh, Choran talks about at some length is, is the the capacity maybe when you reach a certain state or a certain mentality that the, you know certain people uh, possess, where you can see the end of any act just as just as you start it, or even before starting it. 
can say, oh, if I do this, I can see where that's going. And that's one of those things you say, oh, boy. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there is uh... – <clears throat> yeah, it, you know, and I uh, I do derive pleasure from performing good works like mm-hmm. anyone else. Yeah. But that is quickly followed by an awareness that I am performing good works because they make me feel good. Yeah. Yeah, it's not pleasant. You just don't win. It's just a win. Mm. A self-aware cracker <laughs> in this world. Yeah, sorry, dude. No one has it harder than a self-aware cracker. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Well, I mean, I think it's been demonstrated in more than one case that for that the light of the world is difficult, in particular for for white men. <laughs> About this, there can be no doubt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I struggle to think of anyone. <laughs> Who has lived a harder life than I have? <laughs> Although I do sometimes think about what was the, you at one point you were recounting a job you had as a Ute. Yes. Because um, actually, I my brother as a Ute. Yes. Well, there was the one where you were what you were forced to climb like large stacks of pallets in like hundred ten degree heat. Hafner Tire Company. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that sounded that sounds unpleasant to me. No, it was it was miserable. Yeah. yeah that sounds but legitimately. You know, it was leavened by the knowledge that this is not my lot in life, unlike a lot of the older gentlemen who work there. You know, this was, yes. I need to do this for the summer. Then my parents pay for me to go to university, you know. Right, yeah. So, yeah, but it was, it, was, it was a crap job, and it was hot, and yeah. But you probably, did it. Uh, probably all violations of OSHA standards, yeah. Right. Yeah. But you did it. You did it, you did it though. No. Yeah. And sure. and it well, so my brother is working this uh, this summer at Men's Warehouse. Okay. And uh, he was uh, recounting, or my parents were recounting, how uh, I guess <laughs> at his particular location, he had um, let's see, he had a tennis tr- tennis tournament coming up. Actually, a tennis tournament he won. Yeah. Um, I believe this is it. And uh, he had submitted a group of dates around the July Fourth holiday uh-huh. uh, to his boss. And he said. Uh, it was not like many days off. He was just hoping to get the days off he does get in on specific dates. Yeah. And he got um, he was given zero of those days off. <laughs> <laughs> and was given, in fact, totally different days off. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just and you know I, my stepmom whatever my parents were like, well that's not like exactly work. But at the same time, I remembered like. You know, when you're at a job, especially if they know you're there for the summer, you, yeah. they do not care about you. Right. Oh, yeah. No, and they will purposely spite you just to show – because that's – think about it. Especially if you're an adult working in men's warehouse, which isn't to say you can't have a perfectly happy life doing that. But there right. might be some people who felt that they were destined for more. Right. And they might receive particular joy in sticking it to you. Yes, correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're going to go back to your nice, uh, yeah. your nice uh, university? Yeah. Well, not before you get – the wrong days off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my, uh, I've probably recounted this before, but my father, when I was growing up, uh, had a belief that your summer job should be miserable. Uh, like, right, right. His character building experience. And now, actually, today, I, I thank him for it and I see his point because mm-hmm. I don't, to this day, I don't really mind awful manual labor. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, in addition to that tire job, I had a job where I was, I worked for a salvage company. Mm-hmm. My job was to hose off 
like products that had been in landslides. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. you would find when you find uh, sometimes terrible things in there. Yeah, like teeth and what looked like fingers and yeah, things like that. Mm. And, and then there was another job where I worked midnight to nine at a grocery store stocking shelves, and it was a twenty-four hour grocery store. And also, and this is no exaggeration, with the other guys I worked with and our box cutters, we were security. <laughs> I think I remember this one too. Yeah, and we did at one point brandish, uh, <laughs> brandish the box cutters against a drunk guy who was attempting to steal beer, and the drunk guy from the you know driver's side window of his pickup as he was as he had been you know being chased off. Referred to three of my coworkers as the N word. Yeah. <laughs> Presumably not to you. Well, you know. Which I although that would have been particularly amusing too. Yeah, and then it was you know like oh, sorry that guy said that you know. The I'm uh, sort of left to wear the racism you know on behalf of him. Well, hey, no, that's like that's that, that that's like JJ Redick uh, playing for the the Clippers, right? When Donald Sterling says he hates black people, <laughs> and JJ Redick is like. Yeah, that guy's a jerk, right, guys? <laughs> hey, you guys, no, I don't think that, right? Yeah, we're all in this together, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an awkward situation if you're, if you're like the white guy left in the wake. <laughs> yeah, cause this guy just <laughs> dropped the n-word bomb. And yeah. Then, uh, left. Yeah, yeah, and you're left there to answer for, for, for your... Oh man, that's jerk. That's a, that guy's a jerk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's an awkward position. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I started reading. My my wife just read the the school at which she'll be working. It's sort of like like a school wide summer reading, or maybe teacher wide summer reading. Anyway, she just read An Ordinary Man, which is the story of the hotel hotel manager. Um, it's it's the story on which the the film Hotel Rwanda was based. Okay. Uh, hotel Rwanda. The, it was about the hotel manager who housed upwards of twelve hundred. Uh, Tootsie, uh, Tootsies in a single hotel um, okay. while the Rwanda genocide of the Tootsies was going on at the hands of the the Hutu. Okay. And it's uh, dark. It's yeah. dark. Clearly. Yeah. It was just – I just uh, – what was I thinking about? Well, how uh, sometimes like uh, one group of people really really hates another group of people. Yeah. And I guess the, the distinction is, right, like – like. By myth or by legend, there are supposedly like physical differences or other sorts of differences between the Hutus and the Tutsis. But there's been so much, um, you know, in, intermarriage between them leading up to uh, leading up to the this situation that they're basically they basically all look alike. Yeah. But you just know that some people have Tutsi parents and other people's have have Hutu parents, and so it's all these people who look exactly alike, basically. Or uh-huh. look very similar, and uh, but one of them has decided to kill all of the others. They killed eight hundred thousand people in a uh, hundred days. Well, wow. yeah, and it was just like it. Sa- it sounded horrible. I mean, it yeah. was like there was just this. It was. I guess it was like a sort of a process of hate speech that led up to it. And I think a president was kind of on his way out, but in order to sort of save his presidency, he decided to tap into the of ethnic. Yeah. H- hatred. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Are you quieter all of a sudden? I did something wrong over here. Probably. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
uh, oh, so it was terrible. And so there were just people in the streets. So like they would, the, like there was a certain radio station they would get on and be like, "Kill all of your tootsie neighbors." <laughs> Isn't that terrible? That's terrible. It's about yeah. the worst thing. And I, I think that uh, this may not shock you. Um, a lot of it was Europe's fault. <laughs> Because Europe essentially, like the European colonists of Rwanda, right? They uh, it was to their advantage to play up the the differences between the Hutus and the Tutsis. I find this not shocking. Yeah, and uh, so anyway, worked out terribly. But this guy was a really great guy because he could have been killed just any of these days for housing all these people, and he didn't. There's a really good uh, documentary on uh, what like the. Uh, the leader of the UN peacekeeping force. I'm trying to remember the title of it. His name's like General Romeo something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's a documentary, just an exploration of how powerless he really was there to stop anything. Uh, and like how guilt racked he is now. I think, I think that the UN did not, at least, at least at first, I've only read the introduction. Callie read the whole book though, and she was giving reports. At least at first, the UN did not play a particularly, um, Strong role. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. They ignored it largely. So this, the title is something, the devil came on horseback or something like that. But um, anyway, it was very compelling. Yes. Right. So yeah. moving moving from genocide to, I would say, an equally stirring topic. Uh, before you go, I have one question. You know that uh, some of the things, like with regard to the to your um, house buying and selling, Mm-hmm. Uh, I appeal to you sometimes. As we move on from Rwanda genocide, because <laughs> you're an older, because you're older than me, you've had some of these life experiences. I want to ask you about washers and dryers, Dame. Okay. Yeah. So you, I mean, it's a normal course of events. You talk about uh, ethnic cleansing in Rwanda, yes. and then you move on to a different sort of cleansing of my garments. Of my garments. Yeah. Um, have you ever bought a washer and dryer? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh. How did you know which one to buy? Uh, you know, in, in matters of appliances, I'm sort of a uh, opt for the, you know, Bellwether Bedrock brand type of thing, you know. Okay. That kind of thing. Um, I prefer stackable front loading. Okay. Um, but you also need to leave the door of the washer open at all times when not in use so it doesn't uh, develop mildew inside. Oh, all right. That's good to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are those are my thoughts. I, I find uh, stackable front loading to be a better use of space, mm-hmm. uh, and space is precious. Yes, it is. Now, listen. When did you when you bought yours? Did you go to like a Lowe's or Home Depot or something? Uh, yeah, something to that effect. Yeah, that's been several years since I actually bought one myself. But uh, yeah, something like that. I mean, obviously, comparison shopping is going to be essential. Yeah. Still. Yeah. And to what degree is haggling uh, normal in the in the purchase of um, washers and dryers? I would say it is not normal, okay. but it is it is everything's negotiation system. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's nothing wrong with making an offer. Okay. Yeah. But negotiation, like if you're buying like a six pack of beer, though, negotiations tend to be less common. I would say that is that is probably off limits. <laughs> yeah. Probably, yeah. Be told to leave. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'll give you. It says nine dollars. I'll give you eight. Yes. And then right. they say, "How about, how about you give us nine or don't buy it?" Right. That's typically right. what they'll say. That would be a reasonable response. That's price to own. Cigarettes is a different story. Right. Of course, everyone knows that though. They are. 
Uh, okay, Danny, it's been an hour. Yeah, this is, yeah, come on. Did you find out the identity of the minor leaguer? No. You want me to tell you? Sure. I'm not going to know who he is, but go ahead. No, I don't know who he is. Corey Littrell? No, I don't know who he is. Hmm. Sounds like a pitcher name. Is he a pitcher? He is currently playing at High A Salem. Okay. No, wait. No, 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 no. That's a Red Sox pitcher, so that's why he's not. The Red Sox are sending a minor leaguer. Right. To the Cardinals. Right. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I thought that I, I thought it was the Cardinals were also sending. I guess I guess I didn't know. Anyway, all right, there you go. Well, great, uh, Dave. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Sisterly. Yes. Yeah. Next time we talk, I'll, uh, you'll be in a new place, and I will I will be sure to share more of uh, the work of Emil Chorin with you. I, I look forward to that. Because I know you have uh, other, you have some, you know, you have adult concerns. Yeah, you know, as we're in the new place, that might I might actually catch myself being happy for a little while. Oh. So, uh, so Emil Chorin would probably be a good uh, antidote for that. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. All right, well, uh, stick around for one second, but for the purposes of the podcast, a bit ado to our listeners, Dan. Adieu, listeners. Adieu, listeners. That has been uh, Dane Perry of uh, of Knocker. Well, not too much longer of Knocker. Yeah, we didn't even broach that subject. Well, it's a little too painful, maybe for this episode. Next time, maybe we'll have a uh, maybe we'll have a uh, some hot lava episode on that next time. Yeah, be a lot of. Uh, I got some lava of, to give you on that one. We'll get some. Uh, we'll we'll cry. I don't know if you haven't like. There's a bunch of scenes in the Odyssey where Odysseus is crying into his beard, and his beard is. Yeah. Flecked always with tears. Wet with tears. Alright. That's been post per month these days, so you can imagine how this hits home. Yeah, Dean Perry of CBS Sports.com's Ion Baseball. I'm Carson Sestuli. This has been Fangraphs Audio. <laughs>